last week we had an interesting event happen with the podcast somehow somebody on the back end leaked it early um flipped the wrong switch so it got posted way earlier than it was supposed to kind of threw off the whole rollout i'm hoping the time you're listening to this it's the proper release time um but i just had to mention that a lot of people were asking me if it really got leaked yes i did not want it to drop as early as it did and to be honest i don't even know when it dropped all i know is that when i checked on it at five in the morning it was already out it wasn't supposed to be posted until 10 a.m that day so here we are one week later hopefully things are back on track and it doesn't happen again but this week we have somebody who i've admired for a really long time in uh 2009 i went to san and fury and there were a few bands that summer that were on my list that i had to see that would make my summer and on that list which i talk about on the podcast um you guys will get to it um was mother of mercy and if you tell me um that back in 2009 uh this band that i was so in love with like thank you andrew for putting me on um if you told me back then that in the future bob wilson was gonna sit down and talk to me and answer all the weird little questions that i had and actually talk about hardcore something that we both love so much i probably wouldn't have believed you i have always wanted to do something for hardcore and i talk about this from time to time on the podcast and I hope it doesn't get annoying, but if it does, I kind of apologize. Not really, but I did the band thing, didn't really go anywhere. So I've transitioned into doing this, which I feel way more comfortable doing, something that I actually love. And I hope you guys like it too, um, because this isn't going to stop. This is going to go on forever and ever and ever. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Who knows? Who knows? We're just going to ride it out. This train. Um, left the station a long time ago and we don't know where it's going all I know is that Bob Wilson came on he talked to me it was great I respect all the bands that he's been in I respect everything that he's doing not only for Philly but for Florida it's awesome I love when people put on for their scenes and actually push the younger generation and help everybody out so without further ado, welcome Bob Wilson to the podcast. Welcome back, guys, to another episode of the Jamer K podcast. Um, Bob, how's it going? Going uh, pretty good. How about yourself? Um, doing great. I'm really excited to have you on. Um, been a fan of yours for a really long time. Um, I feel like during this episode of the podcast, I'm probably going to be jumping um, back and forth at different points of um, 
all the things you've done um, in hardcore. So just uh, want to apologize now if it just seems really sporadic. That's, that's perfectly fine. My brain jumps over the place all the time anyway, so should be right at home there. Okay. All right. Let's start. Um, it was uh, Sound and Fury 2009, um, Mother of Mercy played. And yep. going in, going into that Sound and Fury, there was like three bands that I wanted to see. Um, I felt like the three bands that um, would have made my summer um, at that point was Bad Seed, Naysayer, and Mother of Mercy. And uh, Bad Seed, Mother of Mercy were on the bill. And just by some weird chance, Naysayer played like a secret set, which was awesome uh i just wanted to ask you if you remember um how your set was that year and what what your experience was like playing sand and fury uh that year was awesome uh we had played the previous year but i guess we were like more well known uh by 2009 and uh yeah i remember our set being like one of my favorite sets we ever played and then uh it's just funny because so that being full circle um existed at the time and the kid who did KO Films was in that band. So uh, they basically jumped on the tour on the way out to Cali that we did with Title Fight and Foundation. So the kid KO Films filmed every set of Sound and Fury and lost like two sets. And somehow one of the only sets that he uh, fucked up was the mom one. So basically that set just doesn't exist anymore, which bums me out because, you know, I would really like to see it because I remember... I remember being awesome, and I was like pretty pumped on it afterwards. But it was, it was a real good time. Damn, that's so crazy. <clears throat> Excuse me, I had no idea that uh, there was footage and it just got lost. Because sometimes I, I like to be nostalgic and go back and watch sets from that year. Like seeing uh, Mongoloids play that year was awesome. Like Reign Supreme, and I, I never really um, thought about how come your guys' videos never popped up. But now it makes sense that it got lost. Yeah, I have no idea how he managed to do that, but <laughs> I was just like, dude, I literally got you guys on every show out here and you lost my band shit. I was like, whatever. But it's just more funny than anything at this point. But Okay. Um, that year in Jet's bad seat set was crazy. I they're In the video, I get knocked the fuck out by this giant dude for like four seconds. Um, the Mongoid set was ridiculous. I think that was the year that Wade from Iron Age played with the band and just had a shirt over his head the whole time and soloed for like 20 minutes straight. Um, the floor punch set was unbelievable. That was, that was a really good year. Yeah, it was um, a really good year. Um, a weird venue. It was the only time that ever took place out there in uh, Oxnard. Um, it was, yeah, packed with a bunch of good bands. And uh, the way that it was set up was interesting, too. I don't know if you remember, like when you first like walk in, there's like that, uh, it was like the smaller stage and you kind of had to wrap around it to get to like the bigger stage. Yep. Yeah. That was, uh, I was kind of, I was like, man, I don't know about this two stage stuff. You know what I mean? But I think it actually benefited a lot of stuff and it was, it would just seeing the kids flock, you know, from the small stage to the big stage during bands and stuff like that. It was pretty funny to see, but yeah, I, I actually like that venue a lot. Yeah, I definitely thought it was a, um, a cool size venue, but then I, I guess there was like problems with like the staff. So I, I think that's why they never went back. Yeah, it's always some weird shit like that, I'm sure. Okay, so um, I, I've always been curious um, uh, like about your upbringing. Uh, can you talk about uh, how you got into hardcore or like where you grew up? 
Um, I grew up in Northeast Philly until I was like four, I guess. I was born and I uh, lived there for a while. And then I moved all around the burbs uh, pretty much my whole life. After that, uh, I probably moved like 12 times. I went to, I think, nine different schools, eight or nine different schools. So I was, I was literally ping-ponging all over the place in the Philly suburbs. Um, and basically, I, I've, I've said this story before, but there's this kid, Kyle Miller, who went to my middle school who knew I was kind of like into some shit. Like, I think what initially happened was I was in computer class or something like that on some like metal site looking at weird new metal videos and a hate breed video for before the sonar came up. And I was like blown away. And I hit, like, I asked him, I was like, yo, do you know what the hell, like, do you know what hate breed is? And he's like, yeah, do you like hate breed? And I was like, yeah. He's like, all right, well, you should check out like, you know, all those other shoes like AFI, Snapcase. Um, just like a bunch of bands like that. And he would, uh, he would come to school, X up with giant X's on his hands with like Liberty spikes and like Gorilla Viscous hoodies and stuff like that. And I, I literally thought he was like the coolest dude. And, uh, so he pretty much just put me on to like a ton of stuff cause he could tell I was like actually interested. And, um, that pretty much started from there. And then, um, me and my friend Tim Menzies were, uh, basically, we were the two, we were like scavengers for the shit. Like he would, he would buy a ton of CDs. Like he worked you know, on the weekend and just blow the entire paycheck on CDs and we'd just sit in his room and listen to them. And then, um, you know, just typical, you know, look at the thanks list and like check out different stuff and like, Oh, this band seems cool. Like we should like listen to this and see what's up. So the two of us, we would just, you know, buy CDs, kind of take a chance on it and then, uh, see if we liked it and then just like buy other ones if we liked that one. And then it just started from there basically. Okay. I, I think that's awesome. I, I think back to, my days in high school and it was really rare to, to find somebody who was in a hardcore because where I grew up, I was like in the Palm Springs area in California. And at that time, hardcore was like so underground. So out there, it was just not common to know anybody that was in the hardcore. It was like a bunch of um, like MySpace friends because at the time, MySpace was like the big social site. So, like out like finding people outside of MySpace, like locally, um, was really interesting. Like if we were at, like out in town and saw somebody with like anything like remotely related to hardcore, we'd be super interested in like wondering who they were. So I, I yeah. think it's cool that um, you're uh, actually able to have somebody at school um, to kind of grow into it with. Yeah, it was cool. And it was, it worked out well because um, like in ninth grade, I changed schools again and I literally had no friends. Like I moved like pretty far away from my actual friends. And uh, I, I literally didn't eat lunch with anybody, ate lunch in the bathroom by myself, like a fucking weirdo. And did all this other shit, but I had no friends. And then one day I was walking in the hallway and I just had like a giant Earth Crisis shirt on or something like that. And this kid had a Strife shirt on and he saw me and he was like, yo, you like Earth Crisis? And I was like, yeah. He's, he's, I was like, oh, you like Strife? That's cool. He's like, yeah, I've seen you wearing like 10 yard fight shirts. Like, that's what's up. He's like, and he introduced himself. And like, he's like, yeah, you should hang out with me and my friends. Like if you're into hardcore. And uh, that was this kid, Brooke, who ended up singing that band CDC of all things, which is just weird. And, uh, <laughs> So, uh, like, he, like, kind of introduced me to his friends because there's a handful of hardcore kids there. And they would, like, they showed me, like, so many. Like, we would just go to his house after school. And, you know, same kind of thing with my friend Tim. Uh, like, we would just, he, they would just show me all these different bands and, like, try, they, like, took me to my first shows and, like, you know, showed me all this different shit. So, it just, 
I feel like that doesn't really happen anymore. You know what I mean? Like you don't see a kid in a hardcore shirt and feel like a connection, kind of. Like it definitely is lost, and it's such a, like a bigger thing now. But at the time, it was like, oh shit, there's somebody that's into what I'm into. Like there's nobody at the school besides that that's into this. So this is like pretty cool stuff. So before you met uh, the kid in the or the dude from CDC, um, were you going to shows at um, any point before that? Me and my friend would go to like some like local shit um, and like some weirdo stuff. And then uh, in the beginning in ninth grade, we actually booked our like I booked my first show like with me and him. And uh, like I think I booked a show before I went to like a bigger show, which is kind of weird. Like I I didn't understand how shit worked, I guess. But uh, yeah, I tried doing it, and it, it was funny because it was when you could kind of just do stuff uh, with bands, like and without agents and all that stuff. So uh, I, I got booked. I didn't know what the hell I was doing, and I booked like eight or nine bands, and then Shy Hulu was supposed to play for some reason. And uh, we're like, oh fuck it, so we made a bunch of flyers and stuff like that. And, like this was like the beginning of <laughs> I think the, I'm trying to think when it was. It was like late '99 or early 2000, and. They were all down. We started printing flyers, and then I got a call from their agent at the time. Like, on my – I guess he didn't realize we were kids. And uh, he, like, left a voicemail on the the kid's answer machine. He's like, I don't know who the fuck you think you're trying to, like, book without talking to me. They're not playing. Like, all this – so basically they got, like, taken off the show. And uh, I, it was just funny to think about now because I was like, I don't think this dude had any idea. We were just, like, 14-year-old kids that were just trying to, like, book something and didn't understand how things worked. But uh, it, yeah, it's just it's just weird in general. And then uh, yeah, they that was like pretty much my first time going. To, like I went to little hardcore shows before I went. I ever went to like a bigger one. You know what I mean? Like saw something like sick of it all or something like that. I, I saw like a ton of like just random little stuff before that. So at any point did you guys actually talk to somebody from Shyhulud's camp, or how did you guys put or have the idea of getting them on the show? Well, in retrospect, I don't know if we were actually talking to somebody in the band or it's just some like weird thing. Like, I wish I could go back and find whatever message we sent to them. But whoever the hell we talked to was down. And I guess it got back to their agent that they're trying to play something. And then that's when he got involved. So I don't fucking know. It, it's, I'll never know if we actually had them or we were just getting like, you know, pranked by some other kid or something like that. You know what I mean? But I don't know. It was just funny. Yeah, I guess it does get a little like murky when uh, agents get involved. Do you uh, deal with that a lot when you uh, book shows these days? I uh, I try as hard as I can to not have, like if I have a relationship with the band, I will one hundred percent go to them first. Like it's so rare that I ask an agent to get involved or they get involved in general. Like I would, I would say in the the six years of FYA, I've had to deal with like less i don't want to say less than five like less than 10 bands via their agents um just because i most agents are terrible and they're just a pain in the ass and anything i need to get done with bands i'd rather just do with you know direct contact with them like it's just so so unnecessary at the time but uh there, there's some good agents and you know dudes that are trying to do the right thing and stuff like that but i i try unless it's absolutely necessary i try to you know keep them out of it for sure. Uh, I kind of want to share this story. I, I don't think I've ever told it on the podcast. Like um, I tried to book one show like way back in the day, fell through. And uh, I think it was like maybe a year ago. Um, I used to work for this uh, local 
um, print shop in Orange County and they had this uh, fair, like fairly big band signed on and like the singer would work in the shop with us uh, like in between tours just to have like a supplemental income and him and I got to be you know pretty chill we'd, we'd uh, talk all the time and I'd always uh, hassle them because they're from Orange County but they I think at that time they probably did like three or four tours and didn't have an Orange County date and I would bother him I'm like dude like you're from Orange County like why don't you play like a local show and he kind of told me he's like oh he's like how about you book the show since you want so bad like if you can get a venue and book the show like we'll do it and I I asked him, I'm like, okay, like you guys are bigger now. Like, is this going to have to run through like your management or anything? And he's like, no, like it's totally fine. Like it's a hometown thing. It won't be a big deal. Like if you can do it, like we'll play. So I called him on his bluff. I got like two local bands to agree to play, called the venue and had everything set up. We were at the point where we had to pick a date because they were, I'm going to do like a tour in Japan. So they had like this very small window in between like warp tour in Japan. And when I came to him at that point, um, he told me he had to back out because like management didn't want to do it because like they weren't a part of it from the beginning. It was like some stupid thing and like kind of pissed me off. Dude, fuck that. That would, I see, that's why he, that stuff, like usually it's just like, this has nothing to do with you. You know what I mean? Like at the end of the day, it's hardcore. So just because you're not involved, you know what I mean? Like who? It's that's so whack. Yeah, it was, it was kind of a bummer. But um, uh, so did the rest of the show that you booked, um, the one that Trihulid couldn't play, did, did that one go off? Oh, it happened, and it was it was terrible. Like I, like I said, we had no idea what the hell we were doing. So bands were showing up, and like this one band. Uh, Age of Ruin was their name. It's kind of like a uh, like they're like a tribunal metalcore band. I think they ended up being on like Eulogy or Victory or something like that. But uh, they showed up and saw how terrible the show was, and they literally just went inside and they saw it. Saw how little people there were probably like twenty people there, and they literally just got back in their van and just drove home instead of playing the show. Um, I'm trying to think. Yeah, like it was just a disaster. Nobody came. Bands dropped. This other band. Uh, this band Weapon of Choice, New Jersey, dropped the day before they broke up. This band Blood Red Sky or something like that uh, showed up an hour after the show ended and was like pissed off uh, that they couldn't get to play. Um, it was it was literally the worst show. It was like a legendarily terrible show, and I still don't understand this kind of older dude uh, that like helped get the venue and stuff like that. Um, I guess took care of the payments for bands because. I still don't know how anybody got paid. Like there's, I think there's like eight bands or something like that. And it was just, it was such a disaster that I literally didn't do another show for seven years or something like that. Like, just cause I was like, yo, shows are terrible. I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. That sucks so bad. So yeah, it was, it was not a good, uh, first show as a 14 year old, I guess. Damn. I, that's crazy that that older dude took care of payments for the band. Like, did, like when you were setting up the show, did you guys even like think about how you were going to pay the bands if people didn't show up? No, I that thought that I was such like a dumbass like ninth grader. I didn't like even factor that part in. And then he was there just kind of because I think he had a, that's part of the deal with like the venue stuff. Like he had to be there and like help out or whatever. And then I just remember he's like, Hey, you know, nobody's really paid for the show. He's like, I'll figure it out with the bands or whatever. So I don't know what you paid them. I don't know how much you possibly could have given them. But I was I was definitely I was like at the end of the night I was like, 
Well, I'm pretty sure I'm going to get my ass kicked by one of these bands because they're not going to be able to get paid. But luckily, I avoided an ass whooping. So, damn, that, that's awesome! Shout out to <laughs> to that guy. Do you um uh, remember who he was or like where he's at? Like today, yeah, it was this dude, uh, Russ Naylor, um, who was this this local dude's uh, dad, like this local hardcore kid. That's why I think that's why he helped out. Um, his son was a total prick, and uh, he was he hated me and all my friends. Maybe, actually, in retrospect, maybe he hated us because our show was so bad and we put his dad in a terrible situation. But he would always be like, "You guys aren't going to stay straight edge. You guys are posers. Like you don't actually like hardcore. Like you're fucking losers. Like all this shit. Like and uh, then he ended up breaking edge by like 18 and was like fully dropped out by then. So it was, it was pretty good to see that happen. But Russ, his dad was the man. Okay, hell yeah! Shout outs to Russ's dad, and <laughs> okay, so kind of want to uh, jump forward in time. Uh, you're in a band called uh, Letdown. Uh, can you uh, talk about how Letdown came together and uh, what that experience was like? Um, it came together basically just because uh, I would we had like some bands before that. Um, the other dudes in the band, like, uh, they're in a band called On Course, just, like, kind of positive hardcore band. And uh, they they kind of actually got out and played a little bit and kind of just um, were the first first actual hardcore band from our area that was doing stuff for in, like, forever. And, like, they would go to Boston. I remember they played one of the, the early half-heart shows. Um, and the next day they played in Jersey. They basically did, like, a week with half-heart when they only had, like, the bottled-up record out, uh, like, that first 7-inch. And... Um, so they, they were getting out and doing stuff, and then I was always like the the angry dude, I guess. And uh, and I was always like, "Yo, like, let's start a band. Let's start a band. Like, I got, I want to like, let's just fuck all this shit up. Like, because our scene was like cool, I guess, but there's nothing really that uh, I was like, I, I just wanted to be in a band that I would want to hear and like go off to. And then so basically, we we're just the four biggest dickheads around. And it just worked out like that. We used to hang out every day and like, we were always going to shows. We were like into like all the same shit. Like nobody else around us was, they were into some stuff we liked, but they didn't like exactly what we were into, you know, like no justice, striking distance, like all those kind of bands. And, uh, so our guitar player was not good at guitar. Uh, bass player literally learned bass to be in the band. And our drummer was kid Kyle Kimball. He's in like nothing. And, uh, Night Sins and all that stuff now. And uh, he was the backbone of the band. And he was only like, he had just turned 16 when we started, I think, or maybe he was still 15. And without him, we definitely wouldn't have made it past one practice because everybody else was so terrible. Like, I didn't know what the hell I was doing, obviously. I just yelled. And nobody else was actually good at their instruments or anything. Um, so it was definitely, <laughs> the, the beginning was definitely rough because it was such an actual shit show because nobody knew what the hell they were doing. And then, uh, so yeah, that's basically how that got started. And you guys uh, were around for a bit. You guys put out uh, like a couple records, and the because I didn't know it was such a rocky start. I feel like you guys made it pretty far. Yeah, I mean, dude, like I hate saying stuff like this because it's so corny, but we literally didn't know. Like we had some friends in the like uh, the area, like older friends or whatever. But it wasn't like, you know, all these old dudes like, oh, yo, like, this is this is my friends being let down. Like, you should help them out. Like, whatever. Like, we just basically did stuff and, you know, did our own way. And, like, and, you know, along the way, we met people that 
kind of realized like, oh, these like young ass kids like are super into this and like actually really care about hardcore and are just like just trying to be, you know, a straight edge band and not giving a fuck about anything. And uh, yeah, so I mean, we, it's not like there's like a giant legacy of bands from Doylestown, you know what I mean? So we kind of just started that a little bit. And then, um, you know, there's a ton of younger kids that got into hardcore and punk like around us, you know, because we started and everything. Uh, so yeah, we, we basically, I don't know, it, we, it wasn't like we hit the ground running, like we had to like bust our ass, you know, to, to get to, you know, eventually about, you know, what we did, so. And how long after uh, did you guys, or uh, did you start Mother of Mercy? It was, Letdown started May 2004, and Mom started, I actually think, April 2007. It was, it was yeah, because, uh, yeah, it was right around, the, like, uh, spring 2007, so probably about three years after that. And that was started because we I did, like, a, a cover show. We did, like, a cover show in, in Doylestown. And I got some kids together and we did like an AFI cover set. And I was like, damn, I was like, everybody in this band, after being, like, I loved being let down. It was like reckless and just like crazy. But the kids that did the AFI stuff were super good at their instruments. And like, I had never experienced that before. I was like, I was like, yo, this is like, you guys are really good. We should actually just start a band. And they're like, oh, yeah, okay, let's do that. And then uh, this kid, Joe Kane, who ended up being in Super Heaven. Um, playing bass and super heaven and stuff. We, I like fought for him to be in the band because they were like, yeah, it'll just be a four piece. So like, now we need to get Joe Kane and I think it'd be really good. And uh, mom, we, it was basically started through that. And then because, so we started let down because there was nothing, just like a fast pissed off straight edge band. And then mom, I was like, all right, now everything has gone too far that way. Like, I just want to start like, like a band that kids can mosh to. And it's just like a little bit different than what's going on around here. And, for, when we were talking about what we kind of wanted to do, it made no sense because we were like, I was like, oh yeah, we'll do like, let's do like Demise mixed with like Ringworm and Breakdown. And obviously nothing we did sounds like any of those bands. But that was like the intent when we started and I still don't know what the hell we were thinking with that, but that's basically the uh, the point of why we started that. So I remember I got introduced to you guys um, through my old roommate, his name's Andrew. He uh, showed me No Eden, which I thought was cool. And then he showed me Passing Through the Fire. And I could never get over the cover of that. Can you talk about, like, why you guys chose that for your cover with the two girls holding the banner in, like, a cemetery? Okay. <laughs> so there's really, I don't think if we try to do that now, people would be like, dude, what? Are you fucking kidding me with this? Like, you can't do this. But those are our friends. Uh these two girls that were like pretty good friends with and stuff. And then we were just talking about record covers and we just, it was when we first started, we just wanted our sets to look like a dancing video with just like girls like dancing and just like all this like weird shit. And then, so they're supposed to be like our first couple of shows, just like dancing on stage with us and stuff like that. Like just looking like some weird, like, like lost dancing video, but like with a hardcore band playing over it. It, it, in in retrospect, I don't know what the hell, why we thought that was a good idea, but uh, it just never worked out. So then we were just like throwing around ideas and we're like, oh, like we were just hanging out with them actually. And they're like, right, what if we just had like these two girls like naked in the graveyard, like on some like weird Danzig shit. And, we're, and they're just like, yeah, fuck yeah, let's do it. So I, yeah, that's how that came about. I still have no idea why we actually went through with that and thought that was a good idea. But uh yeah, I, we had like a bunch of weird covers for that record, so I actually forgot what the, the cover was until you just said that. 
Okay. But yeah, I, would, I don't think we would try to do that in 2019, right? Um, and you guys actually um hung up that banner at some shows, right? Because I, I think I remember seeing some live sets with that banner there. Yeah, we uh we had that banner. Uh, I think so. Our first couple of shows, we didn't have an actual name, and it was so dumb that we like we literally I think played three shows without name, and uh, that yeah, like our first show was somehow with that band I'm the Avalanche and stuff like that that we just like played just because it was right in our town. But uh, so yeah, so we so as soon as we made the band name that, I think we just made a banner and just tried to bring that around as much as possible unless somebody forgot it. And by any chance, do you know where that banner is t- uh, today? I'm almost positive the kid Joe Kane still still has it somewhere in his house. Oh wow, that's awesome! Yeah. I would yeah. love to see it in oh, person. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he does. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and um, so you guys came out with uh three, which I thought was um like probably my favorite record um that you guys have put out, and then you guys signed to Bridge Nine, um which if I remember correctly, you guys weren't on there for that long. Can you talk about your, your experience, like being a B9 band? Um, yeah, so we loved Six Feet Under and Dave Sausage. You know, he always helped out Let Down and, like, you know, helped, like, us and Blacklisted played a ton of shows together and they helped us out and stuff like that. So I really, I, it was actually kind of a bummer leaving there because I, just, I loved Six Feet Under so much and I felt like I was, like, betraying, like, a family member. But I was like, yeah, I was like, yo, I will only do this if you say it's cool. Like, if if you actually don't think it's a good idea, or you'd be like, like, you know, feel some type of way about it, just tell me, like, if we won't do it. He's like, no, like, he's like, I think this is a good move for you guys. It's like, gonna help out a lot. Um, you know, it's just, like totally fine with me. So I was like, all right. And then we did that, and I feel like three or four bands did it after us. And I was like, and then I think he started getting salty because he's like, cool, now everybody's leaving. And I was like, well, if I knew everybody was gonna leave, I wouldn't have left in the first place. But um. Yeah, Bridge Nine, they actually, it was kind of weird. You know, it's not like, I think at some point uh, they had reached out to let down through, I think Pat Flynn probably recommended us or something like that. And it definitely was not a good fit. I don't, I think they were like, kind of like, yeah, okay, this is, I don't know what the hell is going on with this band. But uh, so it was, it was funny seeing them hit us up after all that. Cause I don't know if they even realized we we're the same members. But uh, everybody I worked with, everybody that is from Bridge Nine, like Chris and all of them, were super cool to us. They, they were very patient with us because we are, we literally had five different ideas at all times and nobody knew actually what the fuck they wanted to do. Like even down to like record covers and stuff. Like they'd be like, all right guys, like do you get this? And then, um, when we did four, it took me forever to like, I don't know why I said it like that. It took me forever to do the vocals because I just, I was at that point, I, I don't know what the hell was going on, but I just was not into going to recording and I, I put it off and put it off and wouldn't write lyrics. And uh, so it did, the process took way longer than it should have. But, and then they could have been way bigger dickheads about it, but they were like totally cool with it. And uh, yeah, they, they got us on some cool stuff. Um, you know, we got on like an AF tour, sick of it all. I'm trying to think what else we did around that time. But um, yeah, they're, I got nothing bad to say about them. They were really cool to us. And, uh, you know, it was, it was a good experience working with them. And uh, do you mind talking about why you guys decided to call it quits? So we, it was weird because we kind of, mom is the opposite of letdown in that we definitely started off hot. Like we, we got on some cool tours. Our shows were like pretty crazy from the, from the jump. And then, uh, so we, you know, we were still going out there doing our thing. And then we did a couple, 
like I said, we did the thing with all in AF tours back to back, I think, which in theory should have been good, but that did absolutely nothing for our band just because the crowd at those shows was there, you know, they're sticking all fans or the AF fans. They weren't like showing up early to watch, you know, the new young band or whatever. So we, you know, it was, it did literally nothing for us. And then, um, we, we should have been touring with just like other hardcore bands, like, you know, newer hardcore bands at that time, I think. And, uh, I, what broke it was, I mean, we were always at each other's throats anyways, and just like fucking, it was a pretty big mess most of the time. Most, I mean, I was probably a lot of that. And then, uh, so we were on, I remember we did, Foundation was about to tour with Dead in the Dirt, and then uh, us and Stick Together were trying to tour, and then we were like, oh, we, you know, let's all just tour together or whatever. And the dude booking the tour actually was like, nah. He's like, I already got all the shows worked out. Like, you're not playing. Like, sorry. And I was like, I was like, well, they want us to do it. And like, we want to do it. So why can't we just do this? He's like, nah, sorry. He's like, actually, if you want, if you want to get on these things, you have to call and email everybody yourself and figure it out. Like, all right. So I literally got us. I had to get us on every show of that tour, which is miserable, miserable experience. They felt like such a, like a dumbass like basically not like begging to get on ship and be like explaining the situation so we did that tour and i was like oh it's gonna be crazy whatever and then if that tour happened now i think it'd be insane but at the time like a lot of the shows were like shot um like there's a couple good shows like the texas show is really good the pomona show was like incredible and uh but just like in general it was just kind of we were all just like sitting there talking like yo man like this sucks like i don't know you guys just want to like, I think everybody kind of realized, like, all right, I don't know what happened, like, how this happened like this, but I feel like it's kind of just our time. And like, yeah, like, when we get home, whatever, let's just fucking not, like, break up. Let's just kind of go on, like, a hiatus until we, you know, decide we want to do stuff again or whatever. That's, so that's pretty – I th- like, not that, I, you know, Foundation, love those dudes, and stick together, same thing. But, like, just, I think just being on that tour, and I just there's something about it that we were just like, yeah, like, I don't know. I think our time's come and gone, which is, uh, which is kind of call the day. And at some point you guys came back and played a couple shows, right? Yeah. We, um, I think the first time I'm trying to think, can't remember if we played a random Wilkes-Barre show before back to school jam. Like we played this fire and ice show up in Wilkes-Barre randomly. Um, and then we played like, you know, we played stuff like, um, the blind justice record release in Jersey. They asked us to play. Uh, the, the Mongoids last show was, and like you know, we played that. We played a random all war show in Philly when I was visiting one time, and then uh, I think that was probably the last time we played. I think I was like three years ago or something. But uh, yeah, so yeah, we we played probably like less than six times after 2011 or 12 or something like that, whenever it was. So is the door still open for you guys to play some more shows in the future? <laughs> uh, I pretty much try every once in a while to kind of like reach out and be like, yo, like, like I, I was doing an after show with this is hardcore and I was like foundation disgrace. Um, who the fuck was that? I think blizzard played like all like a sick ass show I was doing. And then like we, they all lived very close and I was like, Hey, you guys want to play the show? And they're like, nah, I was like, all right. And then, uh, so every once in a while I'll hit them up and then pretty much nobody's into it. Like I, like I would play, tomorrow you know somebody's like hey you just want to play like a random show I'm like yo absolutely but i think the other dudes just they either aren't feeling it or they just have their own shit going on and they just don't feel like you know relearning the songs and all that stuff but i don't think it's like 
100% never going to happen. You know what I mean? I'll always try because like, I do love playing the songs and I love, you know, playing shows with them. But uh, I don't think it's anything that's going to happen anytime soon. Okay. Um, r- real quick, uh, I actually know Dave. Um, I met him uh, randomly at Disney World last year. And Sounds about right. Yeah, yeah, right. I I, I met him and uh, it, it didn't hit me right away like who he was, and I was like, oh crap, that's crazy. And but I was like, whatever. I'm not trying to like nerd out on like random like hardcore dudes. So I just we're just there hanging out, just like enjoying Disney. And then we've gone like two or three times together. Like I I fly out and we, like we have like a little group that we go with and. Um, He's actually a really good guy. So like I didn't realize that um, the connection was that deep between you guys, because I know that he did put out the um, like that uh, letdown record for you guys and uh, the Mother Mercy LP. And um, but I didn't know you, you like got his graces to um, leave to bridge nine. So I, I just want to say like that's cool because um, I think Dave is a good guy and I actually like him a lot. Yeah, he's great. He uh, we spent I think. Cause when I was younger, I would see him around and I was like, dude, this looks, he looks crazy. Like he had like the charged hair still, like the crazy punk hair, wearing some crazy, like cow print punk jacket. And, uh, all I knew about him was that he played in, I hate you for the reunion and like this band, the rights and, uh, like all this other stuff. And then he joined blacklisted. And then, uh, when our, when the first letdown record came out, the dead by 23 one, um, we would always be at the dude, Robbie Redcheek's house while he like screened all like the different, like, covers and stuff and uh more than off more more often than not they would be there chilling too so i think uh we got pretty close you know just through spending all that time together at red cheeks house and yeah he's always been a great friend he's always like he's always you know i i don't think i've ever or somebody i've known for probably like 15 years now or something like that i don't think we've ever like had an issue which is pretty rare so yeah dave's the man for sure okay so um i'm trying to uh remember uh which band came next was it um beware or malice at the palace which one came first it was beware yeah okay and i thought that band was awesome because i seen you guys a couple times and i i just uh couldn't get over like your guys' style i i just loved the the lyrics uh, i i just felt like they were so just so true and i i just i couldn't get over listening to you guys can you talk about that band yeah that band so around that time um because you know mom was kind of done and let down i've been done for a couple of years and I, I just really missed being in like straight edge band like i like i, I guess it's kind of weird to be in multiple edge bands or whatever but to me that's something that like it obviously means a lot to me. It's a big part of my life. And I was just kind of looking around. I was like, yo, man, nobody's like psyched on being straight edge. And like our, our local area, you know, like um, people are just breaking edge all the time and like dropping out. And it was like, you know, it was like a lot of kids that I had kind of gone to bat for and helped out. Like that band, like force fed. Like I, I love that band. I tried to help them out as much as possible. And like everybody, but the dude, Justin, who ended up being in beware, like broke. And that was like pissing me off. And then, uh, pretty much like our local scene was just like falling apart with that kind of stuff and i was kind of like man you know what like fuck this shit i was like all these like kids that you know i've i've i kind of like put like a lot of trust in with this stuff is just kind of like yeah we don't care about hardcore anymore and i was like well i actually do still care about hardcore so fuck that and then so and i was like well i don't want to just start let down 2.0 you know what i mean that's like dumb to me so i was like uh me and a couple kids like i wanted to do a band that was 
not the same group of kids that did every other band. You know what I mean? And I thought that would be a cool idea. So I put together a lineup that, like, I thought was, like, a cool lineup. And uh, originally our name was Stolen Mind, like, the Brotherhood song, mm-hmm. which is a terrible name. So I'm glad that we didn't have that. But uh, we are supposed to play a show, and then Mom got uh, the Six Foot All Tour, I think. And then by the time we came back, the kid who played drums had Broken Edge. And I was like, well, okay, dude, like, you're out of the band. Like, you can't. Like, what the fuck? And so then that's when we got Kyle Kimball, who, he, yeah, he's in Let Down and Beware, or uh, Let Down and Mother Mercy, too. And he's, he's literally, like, the best drummer in hardcore. He's great. And I think that helped us out a lot. Like, he, he kind of, like, got what we were trying to go for. And then, because at, at that point, you know, people can't remember what was really going on in hardcore at that time, but I was like, yeah, let's just, can we just start, like, a chain ripoff band and just kind of do something a little different? What You know, kind of everybody's going this way. Let's go this way. And uh, so that was pretty much the basis of the band, is just like being like, hey, like we still care about hardcore, like we still care about being straight edge. And uh, so that, yeah, that's pretty much how that started. That's crazy that the drummer just decided to break edge. <laughs> yeah, I was like, dude, like, do you not understand the point of this band? I was like, I, you know, you're, I, I still like the kids to this day, but I was like, come on, man. <laughs> like, I, I was gone for three weeks. Like, what the fuck happened? So um, at, at that point, um, for uh, the Philly scene that, that you guys were involved in, you felt like things were falling apart because kids were uh, dropping out and selling out? Yeah, basically. I mean, it's like, you know, that happens every few years, I guess. You know what I mean? There's like an influx of new kids and like other kids drop out. And then, you know, Philly's always been good. Like, I, I don't have anything, you know, I, I love the scene. You know, I love the scene where I'm from and everything. But um, it was kind of like, like dude it was literally like a mass exodus of all these kids who were so you know into hardcore so about being straight edge like x up for every show and then i was kind of just like disgusted i was like dude like come on I was like, you're way there's no reason for all this shit to be happening right now i was like hardcore sick i don't know why the hell you can't just like i don't know it was it was literally just blowing my mind and that was, it was, so it was just kind of like formed as a reaction to that like all right, cool, go on your way, dude, but, like, fuck you, you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I remember when uh, I was, like, growing up in the scene, my uh, core group of friends, we were all straight edge, and I was, like, one of the younger ones of the group, and I remember when one of the first guys sold out, I was, like, like super, like, heartbroken, because I was like, holy shit, like, I thought this was, like, supposed to be, like, real for us, but, like, this guy dropped out, and then it did start, like, a chain reaction. You started seeing, um, I want to say people's, like, you know, true colors, because they, I, I felt like they thought it was okay to sell out, since other people were doing it, like, they felt more comfortable doing it, and they didn't have to, like, hide behind uh, this facade of being straight edge and loving hardcore and it like sucked for a long time because like a lot of the guys that I would hang out with or the guys that would be taking me to shows because I was too young to drive just started to um, fade. Um, but luckily I was smart enough and um, made friends with the younger kids and didn't like cast them out. And luckily um, in some weird way, I kind of turned into like their older friend and um, I was the one taking them to shows. And granted, not everybody was straight edge that I met that was new. Um, but luckily, uh, I just over time, like I, I kind of just grew numb to like people selling out and it just didn't really bother me anymore, but I'll just never forget like my like first group of friends that did, it just like hurt me so bad. Dude. Yeah. That, that first, you know, when you're like, you know, 15, 16, whatever. And like, 
you think you're like, oh, like all my friends are straight edge, this is sick, like whatever. And then, you know, you have the one friend who's like, nah, I'm not. A, like I had one friend who was super into stuff. He like he booked a lot of shows when he was like 15 or so, and by 16, he's like, nah, I'm not really with the straight edge shit. He's like, hardcore is cool, I guess. But he he just started going to the gym and listening to like that being trapped, like the headstrong band. Yeah. He got like really into like that stuff. And I was like, really? I was like, what the fuck, man? You know what I mean? So like that first, the first group of people that like does that, you're just kind of like, what the hell is going on? And then o- over time, obviously, you know, it, you kind of realize like, all right, well, not everybody's going to be like this forever, but there is certain, what, what, what personally offended me was it was kids that, you know, I'll get their band on shows and like try to get people to put out their records and like, you know, kind of put on for and like stuck my neck out for. And then there's like, yeah, thanks for all that. But like, we're actually not into that. And then I just, you know, I, I felt like a dumbass. You know what I mean? Yeah. Cause the people who are, um, you know, actually putting on their several look at you like, Oh, like here's another group of kids that aren't true. And now we're with these records that don't even really mean anything. Oh yeah. It's, just, it's obvious, you know, they're just full of shit from the start, but it is what it is, I guess, you know? Okay. Um, so we have, um, like you're in one more band that I mentioned, but I, I kind of wanted to put a pause on that. I was just curious. Um, uh, cause you go in, in between, uh, Philly and Florida. Yeah. So I think it was like 2013 or so I moved to Pensacola. And, uh, so I probably lived there just a little over two years. I, I moved back here in 2016. Okay. And so there's a couple years gap there. And um, I definitely see you, um, obviously, you uh, help. Uh, is it just you who works behind FYA, or do you have, like, a team behind you? So, originally, it was me and Sam from Triple B. Okay. Uh, it was just us two doing it. And then after year two, he hit me up. He's like, hey, man, um, I'm moving back to Boston. Um, he's like, yeah, like, I, saw, you know, I don't feel like I should be a part of the fest anymore. You know, to so do whatever you want to do. And I was kind of like... Uh, I don't know. Maybe I should just call it a day. And then I hit, I was like talking to people and I was like, Hey, you know what? I'm actually, I'm just going to still do it. I was like, yeah, I appreciate, you know, working with you the first couple of years. I'm, I'm going to keep it going. So that was totally cool. I mean, you know, we're still cool to this, to this day, but um, now basically FYA is, it used to just be basically me and I would just randomly hit up friends and kind of get their, their view on things and be like, yo, what do you think about this? And I'd just be brainstorming all the time and like, you know, hitting them up at fucking two o'clock in the morning with some ideas. But uh, now it's me, the kid Lennon uh, from EcoStrike and Plead Your Case and all that stuff. Um, uh, Rob Goodspeed from Mouth of the Palace, uh, the Pensacola kid who's a legend. And um, uh, this kid Andrew who used to be an uh, agitator actually. It's pretty much pretty much the four of us. It's still obviously it's, it's mostly, you know, me just like kind of bouncing ideas, but like you know, we'll, we'll talk pretty much every day and kind of just throw around ideas and, you know, see, see what makes sense and all that stuff. And I, I appreciate those dudes input and, uh, they definitely are a big part of the FYA now. So, uh, can you talk about like, uh, I'm assuming you have like a love for Florida to, uh, want to keep something like that going and like, just like, um, I don't want to say like a weird part of California or not, not, excuse me, not California. I mean the, the United States, but it's just like, um, before FYA, um, I just couldn't, I, I can't imagine like anybody actually wanting to go down there for like a hardcore festival. If that makes sense. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, well, it's just funny because so before like when letdown start, like a big part of why I wanted to do FYA to begin with was, um, 
when letdown was like kind of just nobody's, uh, we got to play. This is for UFest, which was in Daytona Beach, and our, it was like for it was like one of our first like crazy shows, not not in uh, the Philly area. And you know the dude had no reason to put us on. We were just like some dickhead little kids, and then um, so he kind of was like, "No, like I think you guys are cool. We should play." And so my whole thing was, I was like, "Yo, there's so many bands that people might not know that I kind of I fuck with really hard, and I think they're really cool. And I think just because you know they're not getting shoved down people's throats, people might not be aware of them. So I was like, "All right, well, let's just kind of put them on a platform and like put the spotlight on them and kind of let them shine." You know, because I, I felt like there wasn't, you know, I, I love all the fest. I think they're, you know, but I feel like sometimes those kind of bands can get uh, lost in the shuffle. You know what I mean? And then, you know, they wouldn't, not that they would even translate on some of them. Like, I feel like the FYA is like a good prove it, band, uh, prove it fest. You know what I mean? Like, yo, you can do well here. You know, you can kind of like move on to the next stuff. But um, so when I first started going down to Florida, sometimes like uh, I was like, holy shit, like, you know, because Florida notoriously like historically rather doesn't really you know obviously people kind of shit on it and they're like oh like this is like you know these kind of bands and like you know like oh like casey jones and like the red baron whatever the fuck and uh so that's like kind of like a hard thing to shake i think you know to the rest of the country but i like the kids i met down there i was like oh shit like you guys are sick i was like your scene's awesome like you guys are in cool bands like why don't people fuck with you so like the the first kids that I really was good friends with down there was the Blister Kids and uh, this band Cold Hearted from Pensacola, and I got them. They were on tour and they needed a show, so I got them. It was like Crown Thorns, Mother Mercy, Dead and Path up in Jersey, and so they became friends with our friends up here, like through that show and everything. And um, yeah, and I think you know at first people were like, oh yeah, like hardcore in Florida, like whatever, you know, with FYA shit, like well, but then. You know, people come down and see the bands that Florida had to offer with shit. And they're like, oh, like, yo, I didn't know this band existed. Like, this is awesome. You know what I mean? Like, they're, like I feel like that happens pretty much all the time. And, uh, but yeah, I think it kind of turned the tide a little bit and kind of made people see that, like, it's dumb that it, I, I, I don't know. I, in, in theory, people should just hear bands and understand they're good. But sometimes they just need a little kick in, kick in the ass to kind of realize and, like, kind of pay attention to, uh, just stuff they might not know, you know what I mean, from Florida in general and everything. And I, I think the Florida scene is one of the best in the country, and I think it's great. And the kids down there, like, I'll, I'll put their passion and, like, care about hardcore up against any scene, like, in the country. You know what I mean? I Like, I think they're truly dedicated. And, uh, like, especially, like, you know, the Pensacola kids, uh, like, the squad that rolls with Lennon, um, like, the Pleaser Case and the IOU kind of stuff. Like, I, I think those kids uh, – I think they care about hardcore more than, you know, pretty much anybody else like in America, which is like kind of like a weird statement, but I, I definitely still believe that. I like doing this podcast. I'm like uh, beginning to realize that there's uh, like amazing bands from like every region. It's just that like, you know, some people don't have um, the platform or just like, you know, people noticing like the stuff that they're doing. So uh, I, I totally understand like what you're talking about when you're talking about the bands down in Florida. Um, gr- uh, for me, growing up, when I thought of Florida, I was really into that um, record label, Eulogy Records. Oh, I was a huge Eulogy head. 
Yeah. And uh, what I think is kind of cool from like time to time, I'll see on um, FYA, you guys still book uh, until the end. Do you, do you guys um, or do you have like a special relationship with those guys or you guys just showing respect for like an older Florida band? It's basically the latter. I it's dudes that you know. I when I was younger, like when I when I was getting into hardcore, I loved everything. You know what I mean? Like I liked, you know, this day forward, keepsake, fucking just shit like Red Roses for a Blue Lady. But I also loved Ten Yard Fight and Floor Punch and like all that stuff. You know what I mean? But and that, you know that was kind of all that stuff was kind of more the Yoji wheelhouse. But like you know, I, I loved all that stuff. So when we do the fest, I like I like showing. I think it's important for kids to know their roots kind of, you know, in general with their, with their scene. And even though I'm not from Florida, I feel like I have a pretty good understanding of, you know, bands that I personally really like from Florida, like that band, know the score. Like um, they're not even an old band, but like they were a band that existed at a time when there was nothing like that in Florida. And they were just out. Like we did a weekend with them on when we did a weekend with like one life crew and stuff like, you know what I mean? They came up to Philly all the time and they're always awesome. I, I always try to like every year I try to put like an older Florida band on and kind of just like, Hey, just, you know, there's a lot of cool stuff going on, but don't forget like, you know, where this shit kind of stemmed from, um, in your immediate scene. Like I, I like, you know, just soaking up like the old stuff like that in a, in a perfect world. Like I try to do ass suck every year and I always get told no, obviously I would love to do failure face. Cause that's one of my favorite bands ever. And they're like from Tampa. So it makes sense, but that that would like it would not go over well, I don't think. But in general, yeah, I try to try to just you know put on some older stuff and let kids see it. You ever try for remembering never? Nah, I was never into. Uh, that, that was like a band that I was I was never like super into. Like I liked until the end a lot, and but like remember never kind of just lost me. I was like, I, yeah, I don't need this. I'm alright. All right, for sure. I just thought I'd ask. Um, but yeah, growing up, like uh, that record label, Eulogy Records, was like um, super popping at the time. Like I, I remember they put out like that Donnybrook record. Um, they had the Mongoloids signed to them, the Warriors, uh, and I just don't know what happened with that label. <laughs> yeah, it got to a point when it kind of just fell off. Like, I feel like 2003 was probably when I stopped really, uh, fucking with it. Like in, in the grand scheme of things, like okay. that, that, you know, that, that kind of stuff. But so they existed for a while afterwards and then you would see a band and it would have like Georgie next to it. I'd be like, what the hell even is it? like, it was, you know, it was this band that I'd never even heard of, but, uh, yeah. And they're a very important part in, of Florida in general though. Like, I feel like, you know, things would be a lot different if they, uh, if they never existed and did the things they did. Yeah, and now um, that uh, guy from Attila like owns it. <laughs> so. I saw that, and I literally like I had to read it like three times. So I was like, "What the fuck am I even reading right now?" Like, I don't, I don't understand the connection. I don't understand why he wants to do this. I don't understand what he's doing with it. But it's, so, yeah, who knows what the fuck's going on there? Yeah, I'm definitely out of the loop um, after that point, but um, definitely like what they did uh, in, in the past. Uh, one thing I want to ask, uh, you mentioned uh, Casey Jones. Uh, did a lot of people not take that band serious? I mean, that was stuff like we would clown on our friends. Be like, yeah, you probably fucked with Casey Jones. Like, you know, that kind of shit. Or like, I don't even know what the hell this is. Like, that kind of weird like the Florida straight edge stuff, I guess, at that point was just so out of my realm of comprehension. Like I just couldn't believe that that was like a thing. 
you know, when I was younger, I'm not going to lie. I like Casey Jones and I never knew like people like, you know, didn't really take that band seriously until like um, more recently. I I hear people talking about it and like I just never uh, knew that. I I, I thought like maybe it was just me being younger and not really in tune at the time. But I I, I thought um, everybody like took them serious. It sounds stupid to say right now, but I'm just like (laughs) my mind's kind of just blown thinking about it. Yeah, I mean, people like what they like. It was just funny when when I moved to Pensacola. I heard like I had never heard a Red Baron song in my life. Okay, and they were like, "You never heard a Red?" And they would play songs. I was like, "Holy shit, what is this?" I was like, I was "Like, I get why you know." Cause, I mean, at this point, kids kids I'm friends with are significantly younger than me. You know, probably like seven or eight years younger than me usually. So you know, I feel like there's definitely a disconnect with some of that stuff. But I was just like, "Dude, this is that's all you, man." I was like, "I don't, I don't even know what the fuck I'm listening to right now." Okay. Um, and, uh, so I had, uh, Joe hardcore on, um, earlier in the year. Um, so shout outs to Joe. Um, I, I was curious, uh, your relationship with him. Did you meet him, uh, before you left to Florida or when you got back? So I, I listen to that. I, I tend to listen to most of your stuff. I think that one, I'm trying to think what else, that one and the Xavier one, I liked really, I think they're probably two of my favorite ones that you've done, which is cool just because they're both like from this area, obviously. Uh, thank you. But, um, yeah, of course. Um, but, uh, oh, so we met Joe when, dude, when I was younger, he was horrifying. Like, like I was probably 16 the first time I saw him and punishment played, uh, Doyle sound. And I walk in and it's dude with a giant scar on his neck. And he had like, uh, like a probably like a FUBU headband with like a blonde butt cut, like you know what I'm talking about, like the hair part in the middle and stuff. Yeah. And his his whole crew was there, like everybody, like all the scary Philly dudes rolled out, and like I was like a little ass, you know, suburb kid, and I was like, what the fuck is going on? This is like horrifying because like it was like damn, like an early Shadow Realm show. This California band called Seed uh, was on tour, um, so it, it was it was. That was kind of like a life-changing show because I was like, this is the scariest shit I've ever seen in my life. And then so he was kind of always like, I mean, he'll he'll admit when he was younger, he was a fucking lunatic. So I saw him. I saw the scar on his neck. I saw his band. I saw his friends. And I was like, well, that dude is scary as shit. I was like, I'm going to keep my distance. Hopefully he never kicks my ass, basically. And then um, Letdown started, and we, we had beef with so many fucking people just because we couldn't shut the fuck up, and we just didn't back down from stuff. So we played a show in Delaware. Actually, I remember, I think Shadow Realm actually played when he was singing for them. And he's like, yo, can we talk? And like, I was like, what? And he's like, yeah, yeah let's go out in the parking lot and talk. And I was like, well, this is it. And I was like, we're fucked. Cause uh, we kind of like had some issues with like, kind of like his younger dudes at the time. And so I was at that point, I was probably like 18 or 19. And um, I was, I could not have been more fucking like horrified. And he's like, yo, I seen that shit you said. And I was like, yeah. And he's like, he kind of looks at me in the eyes, kind of like shaking his head. And he's just like, that shit was fucking hilarious. And I was like, well, what the fuck? And he's like, yeah, I fuck you. I, you guys are all just little dickheads. I love that. Like, blah, blah, blah. And then so from there, for whatever fucking reason, I think he just kind of saw that how, how much we cared about hardcore. And like, you know, even though we kind of didn't see eye to eye with a lot of people, he just, he liked how just like, we just didn't give a fuck about anything. And uh, so that, yeah, we, we became, we were, I wouldn't say we were friends then, but uh, we became cool. And then probably like 2007 or so, we started talking more. And then uh, just over the years, we've gotten like way closer. 
And then uh, at this point, he's definitely one of my best friends. Uh, especially when I lived in Florida, he was one of the only people, like, we talk on the phone for, like, two hours a fucking day. And uh, he's one of the only kids that, or kids, people that, like, stayed in touch like that with me, which is cool. And then, uh, yeah, so it's just cool. It's just weird thinking about the first time I saw him and, like, he was kind of like the boogeyman to me and just becoming, like, really tight with him over the years and just, you know, hang out with him all the time. And, yeah, I love Joe. Yeah, he's a super nice guy. Like, uh, I was really, um, like, you know, surprised that he was willing to come on my podcast. Um, so I, I definitely understand um, you being scared of him when you first met him because I was definitely nervous <laughs> when, when I talked to him. So I just didn't know what to expect. Um, oh, yeah. He's definitely a wild card. It, it's, it's funny because to this day, people kind of still look at him as, you know, peak era, like, villain Joe. Okay. And so, like, they're kind of, like, wary of, like, I feel like people don't think they can approach him. But he he's super if he'll, he'll talk about hardcore to anybody. If a younger kid wants to talk to him, he'll sit and talk to him for a fucking hour. Most likely about jujitsu at this point, which is miserable. But um, <laughs> he, he fucking uh, yeah, he's just I, you know I, based on you know things when he was younger. I think people just think like he's just like some lunatic or some crazy shit. But he's just a normal dude. He's you know sometimes he says shit and it's like dude, what the fuck? Why why come on, man? But then he. I know, you know, from being his actual friend, like being around him all the time, you know, I, I understand what he actually means versus, you know, other shit. So I think, you know, he's, like I said, he holds it and talk to anybody that, you know, he still cares about hardcore a lot. So I'm glad he actually came on your podcast too. Cause that was one of my favorite things I heard. That's awesome. And I'm really surprised to um, hear you say that you uh, listened to that one uh, and the Xavier one. Cause um, it's still in like, um, I, maybe at some point I'll get over this, but it still, um, you know, blows my mind that people actually listen. Oh yeah. I remember, I think the first, you did like a Shane one, right? You did the Wilkes-Barre kid. Um, oh no, no, I'm, I, I did one with, uh, Nate Prosciutti. Okay. Yeah. 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 I, I think I can't remember what it was some Wilkes-Barre kid. It was probably Nate one that I was like, Oh, it's this podcast, you know, cause I drive around all day at work. So I always, and trying to find new stuff to listen to, especially, you know, podcasts about relevant things like hardcore to me. Okay. And I was like, oh, shit, this is like a real good podcast. So, yeah, I pretty much try to check out, um, you know, every time you actually do one. So. Well, thank you. I definitely appreciate that. Um, definitely means a lot. So, um, I'm, and like this thing, I have uh, no idea, uh, it get this far. It was just like an idea that I came up with and, uh, just really hasn't really stopped. Yeah, I mean, so far so good, I would say. Thank you. Um, so, uh, Mouse at the Palace, uh, are you guys uh, still a band? Did you guys are you guys going to call it quits? There, we were talking about it when I when I was moving back, and I was like, well, there's no point to breaking up because, like, if we want to play, we can still play. You know what I mean? We played a couple shows since. Like, I, I we did like a Texas weekend. Um, like uh, with that band Heat Seeker from Pensacola, which is like some of our members, mm-hmm. uh, just because we thought it would help them out and like you know kind of get them out there more. And um, I'm always down to stuff if it makes sense. Like you know, I'll do a weekend here or there, just like a one-off if it makes sense, uh, money-wise and everything like that. Because I still I still really like being in the band. I don't. We probably won't record ever again or do anything new. But uh, yeah, if something comes up, you know, I'm I'm always open to doing stuff because you know I still I was I was. I, uh, I still love those kids, and I, you know, I still like playing with them and everything. So, and how'd you guys decide on doing a Texas weekend? Because I'm always hoping for bands to come out and do like a cool California weekend. 
That was, I don't even know how that came about. I think just because Heat Seeker was trying to get out there a little more and like, it's, you're kind of, when you're in the panhandle, it's kind of like, all right, you can play Georgia, Tennessee, Alabama. Like they're just trying to they're like, yo, how far can we drive in like a weekend and kind of just, you know, make like, you know, get a couple shows out of it, you know, just so we can uh, kind of just not play the same places we play all the time. So I guess that's, that's pretty much just why that happened. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I miss when bands would like come out and obviously like I, I sound selfish because um, all I want is for bands to come to California. But um, mm-hmm. I miss when bands would do that or like, you know, uh, certain tours would come through. But since things like uh, these days seems to be like uh, like more like regionally and um, uh, like I obviously like I, I don't feel like bands uh will come out here to do like region specific stuff i I feel like they tend to wait to do like the bigger tours yeah that's what i mean bands in general aren't really tour like they used to um like especially younger bands that's why like i'm glad once up closer and anxious they're doing like a full u.s and like actually getting out there and doing it um yes i feel like it's kind of coming back a little bit so i'm pretty well you got the um Magnitude, Eco Strike, uh, and Vision Tours coming out to Cali. That's basically, you know, just doing a Cali thing. So that's cool. But it is very rare at this point. Yeah. And uh, you uh, do like your own booking for shows these days, um, correct? Yeah. Yeah. So can you talk about, cause like you mentioned, like obviously like in the beginning of the podcast, you talked about the first show you ever booked and then you said there was like a gap in between until you started actually booking shows again. Yeah, yeah, there was probably, I think 2007, I would say, is when I, I started taking it, like, more seriously and trying to, like, do some more because uh, I did it out of necessity because uh, that band Pressure, actually, and Skin Like Iron were coming out, and they needed, like, a Philly area show, and uh, we were friends with <clears throat> the kid Blaine, I think, was in Skin Like Iron, and I think he hit us up, and then that's, that's why I put a show together, and then uh, it kind of just started from there again. Okay, that's crazy. I, I haven't heard that name in a long time, Skin Like Iron. Um, yeah okay it's kind of a throwback so uh on like I, I notice on like most of the flyers that you do these days that you have like that tag um like uh uh the, now it's uh i'm drawing a blank like uh, i was like bob wilson presents the bob wilson joint yeah, yeah bob wilson joint excuse me um when did that start that actually started because i feel like every every story i tell is way too long but it's all good <laughs> um I was trying to do a show on 420 around New England Hardcore Metal Fest. And my idea was to have, like, I, in my head, I wanted it to be No Tolerance, World War IV, uh, like, probably like Boston Strangler, like, some other stuff, and then just have, like, a, like super straight-edge bands, but then also I, wanted to, I was trying to do Iron Age um, and Power Trip and some other stuff. And that, just because I thought, like, and, you know, it's just kind of like a little tongue in cheek, like, oh, look, like 420 show, but like super straight as bands versus like, you know, the non straight as bands. But that's all part. And uh, so I ended up being Power Trip, Switching Tongues, Code Orange Kids at the time, Disgrace, um, Span Rivers and Nihil, and uh, Angel Dust. It was supposed to be their first show, but they ended up playing the night before. So it was like, it was like a six band show, and it was like a 420 show. So the flyer had some like dude like with weed on it or some bullshit. And then, uh, the kid doing the flyer put like a Bob Wilson joint, like a stupid tongue in cheek, you know, like, ah, I get it kind of thing. Yeah. And I was kind of like, damn, I kind of like that actually. And then, so I kind of just, I, me personally, 
like I, I like bust my ass to like put together. I, I rarely do package tours or anything like that. It's just when I do shows, it's I want to see this band. I want this band to play. I want this and kind of just like build it from the ground up. And I kind of want to, I don't want it to be, I don't, I don't have a fucking ego or care about any of that shit, but I do want it to be like, when, when people see my shit, they're like, Oh fuck, you know, like Bob, Bob, you know, put this together and like, you know, so I, it's going to be something like cool. I just didn't want to get like lost in the shuffle. I think I think it just gives it like a little, little something extra, which is just like negligible. You know what I mean? But I think it's just like kind of like a funny thing. Okay, and you actually had um, two shows that happened this week. Yeah, yeah, Monday and Wednesday. Yep. Yeah. And, um, how were the turnouts for those ones? The Monday show was kind of because originally Method of Doubt, um. Methods Out in True Form were supposed to meet up with Magnitude and Point of Contact in Philly, and then they kind of divided into two shows. So I was like, fuck. I was like, All right, I got to do two shows within three days of each other. So I was like, we'll see how it goes. And then, uh, so it actually turned out Monday was really cool. Um, i trying to think who the hell even fucking played that besides them at this point. That was an uh, adrenaline choice to make. Oh, yeah, it was the Adrenaline Civil Locker show. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, it was it turned out really cool, and uh, kids came out early, and uh, it, was, it was really good. And then Wednesday, um, it was the mag, it was like magnitude, uh, point of contact, you're the knife, fence cutter, and brute, which is uh, younger New Jersey bands now. And that show was like unbelievable. It was like 150 kids packed in like a hundred cap venue, and then uh, yeah, the sets were fucking insane. Like magnitude is such a huge band at this point. It was really cool seeing their reaction, and. Uh, yeah, it was cool. It both both shows turned out really well, I think. And uh, you recently drove up to uh, Syracuse for a show. Yeah, that's what, my thing. Is so my good friend Keith Gallagher, who's the greatest human on earth. You should actually you should have him on this because I do love hardcore or anything. Okay, I'm um, down. Okay, I'll, I'll put you in touch. But um, we've just been like, yo, one step closer to magnitude right now. This is like their fucking time. I was like, let's try to see them as much as humanly possible, just because. I think it's something really special that both bands are doing right now. And, uh, like, so I'm just, if we can do it, let's fucking go as long as in re- within reason. So we went up and, uh, visited like my girlfriend's best friend lives up there. So we like hung with her and stuff. And then, uh, so we went to that and that show was incredible. Like they, they got a really, this band fault line played first, which is like super young straight edge band. And then, uh, this band standalone, which is like a real sick band too, like Syracuse. As a ton of young, there's so many like young kids like X up and stuff again. Like it made me pumped, and uh, the show was real cool. And uh, that was basically this this week. Me and Keith Gallagher went to five shows, I think. And then uh, we were joking that we we're on tour because so we went to Syracuse Monday or Sunday for that. I had my show Monday, Tuesday we went up to see One Step Closer, Method of Doubt, and Wilkes-Barre. Um, then Wednesday was my show, and then last night we went to Delaware. Uh, that band No Option was playing. Okay. Um, and that, that show was awesome too. This kid, James Austin, uh, got a new venue there. And that's another thing. There's a ton of young kids. And they've got Delaware. It's very weird to say that in 2019 that Delaware has a really awesome scene. But yeah, that, that's what I like. Their scene's great right now. And uh, it was cool seeing so many young kids. And it was, it was a great show. So That's crazy. I had no idea that you went to the um, Wilkes Bear and the Delaware show. Because I remember seeing you posts um uh something about uh the syracuse show and i was like oh the, like i i thought that was cool that um you're still willing to drive out to a show like that far 
And because I, I, I have some friends that um, played that show. So I, I thought it was awesome that you were there and that you posted about it. And also that, that you had a good time. And obviously the, the shows that you booked, um, super solid bands. And um, it was just uh, cool because like, like for me, I live in Southern California. We get cool shows like all the time. And I try my hardest to not take it for granted. I'm going to be honest. Sometimes I do get um, lazy and will pass on certain shows. Um, and I'm, I'm just, uh, you know, trying to not do that anymore because they're like, you know, bands, um, you know, could break up at any moment. So I always want to try to um, do my best to enjoy everything um, in real time. And so I, I don't have to look back and wish I could have seen that band or caught a certain set. Um, but it was just really cool to see that, you, like, you know, in 2019, um, somebody like you um, is still willing to go out to all these shows and show support to like, you know, newer and some bands that are already established. Yeah. That's what, I mean, my thing is like, so it's before Philly and Wilkes-Barre, well, more specifically, I guess, Doylestown and Wilkes-Barre had a really good connection. Those kids always come down there. We would always go up there, whatever. And over the years that kind of fell apart for whatever reason. And like kids now are like, man, I'm not driving two hours to go to Wilkes-Barre. Like what the fuck? And I'm just like, why the hell not? So if we go up there and we're like, damn, you came all the way up for the show. And like, yeah, we like hardcore. We love Wilkes-Barre. Of course we're going to come. And uh, I just, I, you know, I know it's not for everybody to like want to travel and like do stuff. But to me, you know, being in a car, it sounds so, it sounds like a each 2 lyric or some cheesy shit, but like <laughs> being a car, your friends on the way to like a show and just going, hanging out, eating good food, like there's good, like shitty food. But then, uh, you know, coming home, and I wake up at five every day for work. So I was this week, I was fucking, I pretty much got like three hours of sleep a night. And, uh, which is just stupid on my part. But, uh, yeah, like I'll still, if there's something cool, I'm going to make an effort to go. Uh, Keith, you know, he sings in, uh, that band Payback, who's really awesome right now. And, uh, he's, he's super dedicated to hardcore still. And then it, it's kind of, it's just weird to me that, like, I'm 33, he's 31. And, I wish younger kids kind of had the initiative or like care to, to want to travel. You know what I mean? And like kind of see different stuff and different scenes and all that stuff. Cause I, I, I love doing that. And that's something that I feel like that's kind of lost now with the younger kids. But uh, I mean, I'll, if, if it's feasible for me to do shit, I'll always, you know, make effort. Yeah. I think that's awesome. Uh, and I always um, say that the, the youth in hardcore is always important because they're oh, yeah. what's going to like drive the future, keep this whole thing alive. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, there's no way to say that without just sounding so cheesy, but it is true. You know what I mean? It's like, it's a youthful thing and they're the ones who are super passionate about what the hell they're still talking about. And, you know, they're putting themselves out there and stuff like that. So I think it's always important to kind of push the younger stuff going on and, you know, just not just, parade out a bunch of bunch of bands that have been around forever you know old guys that expect you know a crowd and all that stuff so uh do you have any uh shows lined up that you're doing because i looked but i didn't see any um flyers for anything no unfortunately not like so in the next like month or two you know it's like the have hard shows and then sound and fury and then this is hardcore shortly after that so July is kind of, I was kind of like, I'm not really trying to focus anything just because there's, there's so much going on. You know what I mean? I don't want to like put, 
put a ton of stuff into something where, you know, nobody's going to be around and bands aren't around and stuff. So I'll probably start trying to put stuff together for like September and uh, that kind of stuff. Just start kind of building stuff for that. Okay. Yeah, that definitely makes sense just because, yeah, like you got two um, like big festivals and bands are going to be all over. So you're not really sure who's going to be around. Yeah, it's just it makes it hard to, you know, get bands to play and then, you know, people are off vacationing or going on shore, whatever the fuck they got going on. So I'm just kind of chilling right now, just kind of figuring out what I want to do next with stuff. Okay. I'm going back to um, FYA. I I forgot to ask, um, do you ever feel any like kind of pressure when booking the fest since it's the first festival of the year? Like, I I feel like you guys always kind of set the bar and all the other fests kind of have to try to beat it. Yeah, I was, I was kind of talking about that recently. Like, it's kind of like being, like, you know, the leadoff position in, like, baseball or something like that. Like, you know, like you are, like, the table setter. Like, all right, well, this band played FOA. They popped off. All right, who's scooping them up for their shit? Like, who's who's asking them to tour? You know what I mean? That's, like, that's a big part of why I try to spotlight the newer up-and-coming stuff, you know, like the, the young stuff, just because I feel like it's their opportunity to kind of break out that year, which is totally fine with me. You know what I mean? If, if – they play my stuff and they're not that well known yet. You know what I mean? But then afterwards, you know, they get hit up by people like, yo, sorry, you're set there. It looks insane. Like, let's do some shows together and stuff like that. Like, that's incredible to me. And that, like, makes me super psyched for the bands. So that's, yeah, that's pretty much uh, the MO behind FYA at that point. Okay. And um, how early do you start, like, trying to book stuff for the fest? Dude, I used to be really bad. And, like, a week afterwards, I'd be like, sitting just you know sitting on the couch kind of like just trying to figure out what the hell i want to do next year and like who was going to hit off and stuff like that and then i was like driving myself fucking crazy you know i was like all right dude i gotta now i gotta like force myself like a month after the fest i can kind of like be like okay like i don't have to actually start hitting anybody up but i'm kind of gonna start like scheming you know my plans for next year just because i didn't want it to turn into like an 11 month i think about fya every day you know what i mean and, like go over stuff in my head but I don't do anything like concrete until like probably like April or May is when I start like really sitting down and kind of hammering shit out. Okay. So we're like way past that. Oh yeah. Okay. Interesting. Um, you know, I used to, um, I'm like kind of peeling back the curtain here. Uh, when I first started doing the podcast, like after I had like my first guest on, I used to try to book people like a week before and it worked for a little bit. Um, and I don't even know how people like, you know, were willing to agree to something like that, but thankful that they did. But now I'm at the point where like, I'm like booking like almost like two months like two full months in advance and it's uh it's like a little um like well it's better for me because like i'm not like stressing out like you know three days before i'm supposed to record like i have no guests like i feel like i have to like beg somebody to come on but now it's just like um i've gotten to this weird flow where um things are uh you know so far out like i can kind of relax and when it comes time to like you know book for like the, the newer months like things like are slowly becoming like a little easier Cause I have like a routine down now. Yeah. I mean, I feel like that probably helps out a lot. You know what I mean? It doesn't make you as stressed and, you know, put some pressure on you to come up with something, you know, maybe not like your best work at the last second. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I always hate, I'm um, having, uh, like that weird pressure. Cause it's uh, like, 
I hate not performing at like my best because I, I, I always try to. I, I always try to come come in with like a clear head and ready to go. But there's definitely been some times where like I just definitely wasn't there completely. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you know your shit. Like that's the something I gathered through the other stuff. Like you actually like do your research, which is cool because I hate when people hit up people in the interview or whatever, and they're just like they're like so like. You know, have you been, is this your first band? And it's like, dude, I've been in band since I was like 16 years old. It's like, no, this is not my first band. Like, yeah, stuff like that. So it's cool that you actually know, like, the history of people you're talking to. Yeah. And it also helps that, like, I've been around for so long. So, like, like the majority of this stuff, like, is just like, you know, things that I've experienced or things that, like, I've been, like, wanting to know. Cause literally, like, everybody that, that I have on, like, I'm a, a fan in some, in some aspect. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I feel like that makes it easier. Yeah, definitely. Um, so outside of um, Mouse the Palace, do you have any um, uh, bands like that you're working on behind the scenes? So when I moved back, um, like, I, like I just met, like everything in Philly was grabbing. Pretty much any time I start a band, it's because I want to kind of go against the flow of what's happening. Like I feel like a lot of people look at a popular band, like, oh, I want to be in a band like that. But I kind of look at what's popular and I'm like, well, that's cool, but it's not really, like, my vibe right now. So, like, I'll kind of start something to, like, combat that and go against that. So, you know, like, heavy stuff is popular, so I did Let Down. The faster stuff is popular, so I did Mom. You know I mean? Just, like, stuff like that. So, when I came back, I did this band, Shadow of Lies, and uh, we did a demo. And um, we literally played, like, two shows. And then uh, the kid ended up, is, is in No Option, and then um, the drummer was Tyler Mullen from Year of the Night. So they kind of, they're so busy with, you know, their kind of shit that um, it kind of just fell apart. So I, I want to start something else. It's kind of hard getting, it's, it's fucked up to say, but like when you're in a band and you're, it's when everybody's on the same page, you know, with Let Down, we were all on the same page. We're just like, we just want to go out, throw shit, like get in trouble, like be dickheads, whatever. But now it's kind of hard to find people that are on the same page with me. Like they can like some of the same stuff as me, but it's not, uh, you know, nobody kind of really wants to do exactly what I'm trying to do. So I, I'm trying to figure that out. I have something kind of brewing with some of, I, I, it's so dumb to say it like this, but can't really talk about it, but cause I don't want to jinx it. But I think by the end of the year, uh, a demo is going to come out with some people that I've been a fan of theirs for like a really long time. And uh, I think we might be working together. So I, yeah, I would say by the end of the year, I might have something coming out. And are you on vocals or are you playing an instrument? Yeah, I literally, my musical talent is I'm like a negative 20. It's pathetic. Like, I wish I could play. Like, I got tried. Somebody tried to teach me bass before. My fingers don't move correctly. I'm literally terrible. So I'm going to unfortunately have to sing because that's the only thing I can kind of do. So. Okay. No, I, I, I definitely get that. I'm definitely in the same boat as you. I remember my buddy wanted me to play bass in his uh, hardcore band and I don't think he realized that I'm like left-handed. So he like went to teach me bass and it was like super hard. And then he realized I was left-handed and he's, and he's like, Oh, he's like crap. He's like, I can't even teach you left-handed bass. He's like, this is pointless. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, all right, cool. Like I was like, there's no way I'm going to try to learn it right-handed. I was like, I'm over this. And then, <laughs> yeah. And then I, I played keyboards once in like a, a four year strong, like ripoff band. And that was oh, easy okay. because I just had to make noise with a synthesizer, which isn't hard at all. <laughs> But yeah, but I definitely understand your, your negative 20. So it's all good. It's, it's, it's fucking brutal, man. Like I wish so bad I could be, cause I would start a million bands like tomorrow. 
but I just my I have zero musical talent, so. Okay, well, uh, is there anything you want to say before we go? I feel like this is a good time to wrap things up. Yeah, that's fine. Um, I'm trying to think. Listen to Payback. They got uh, a split coming out soon. Uh, before this is hardcore. Oh, with who? Um, uh, Alpha Justice. Okay. Who's uh? They just put out new music too, which is really good. Um, Future Case Records, IU Records are both doing really awesome things right now. Uh, go catch Magnitude any chance you can because they are the band this year. Uh, FYA is going to be announced uh, the day before Back to School Jam, like every year. Uh, so that'll be in September. So keep a lookout for that, I guess. Um, come to This is Hardcore. Uh, they're from Philly. Come to Philly shows. Uh, I think that's about it. I, I appreciate you asking me to be on. Uh, yeah, didn't, didn't expect it. So I, I appreciate that. Okay. I'm so sorry. I, I know I, I wanted to wrap things up, but there's one thing I wanted to talk to you about before we, we left, and it just hit me because I, okay. um, I, I I do this with no notes. It's all off the top of my head. Um, uh, right. You put together the um, Unity Barbecue, and yeah, I, yeah. I thought that was one of the coolest things um, that I've seen because I like to think that you know um, scenes are united and everybody wants to see everybody do good. And um, the fact that you put that on, um, I thought was awesome. I thought the lineup was amazing. And I, I just wanted to ask you why you felt that was um, important to put together and um, how it turned out. Because I know it, it, it rained, so there was actually no barbecue, but you guys got like pizza. Yeah, yeah. So, so the point of the thing, like anybody who knows me knows I'm not a positive person. I'm, I've never been a like, hey, we're all in this together kind of guy. You know what I mean? Like, especially when I was younger. Okay. We just wanted to, like, when Left Out started, we just wanted to destroy what was going on there. Like, everybody was like a metalcore band, like a emo band or whatever. Like, yo, fuck that. Like, it's just, that's just whack to me. But as, as I've gotten older, I kind of like, it's crazy. Like, music is more accessible than ever. And in theory, kids should into so many different things but i feel like kids kind of find their lane at a young age and never divert from that and i think that hurts shows in general and i, I you know when i moved back to philly I, it was super apparent and like me and all my friends never we would go to you know cross punk shows shitty punk houses but then we go to like metalcore shows or you know straight edge shows like whatever like we, we would go to everything and um that's why i like the, the kids i'm really good friends with now we're in that band agitator and they all have that same viewpoint still to this day and uh, that's why I fuck with them so hard because they, they get it. And um, I just felt like a lot of younger kids weren't even bothering to check out like new cool stuff around us. And there was no like real sense of like, yo, when we used to go on tour, we're like, yeah, like we rep Doylestown hard as fuck. And then we rep Philly hard as fuck. And we all move the city. Like, if, you know, we we're proud, like, yo, fuck that. Like we're from Doylestown. Like, fuck you basically. And then I feel like there's no, people don't really care about that anymore. Like, which is, I guess, good and bad, but I think you should have pride in your local scene and I think you should care about the history of where you're from and like give a shit about, you know, supporting, you know, your friends' bands and all this other stuff. So, you know, kids, kids would just go to like the, the Jesus P shows or whatever, or they would only go to like the fixation shows or, you know, whatever they would, they would pick one. And it's like, that's, this is the only kind of stuff I like. And, you know, for years I've been talking to my friends about it. Like my friend Kev hair, like I was just like, dude, like, what if I just did like a show and basically just forced everybody to be in the same room as each other and coexist and just be like, yo, dumbasses, you literally all like hardcore. You, you know what I mean? Like you don't have to like pick and choose stuff. Like there's so much cool shit going on in Philly right now. And 
I think it will only benefit our scene in general and make it, you know, prop us up more if you actually like support it and like support other stuff that's not your immediate interest. And uh, that that was basis the basis for it. It's kind of like, you know, like when you have two friends that don't like each other and it's just getting ridiculous and you're just like, all right, dude, you're putting you guys in the room, figure it the fuck out. Like, you know, this is benefit of the friend group if you guys coach this. So like, that was kind of the idea behind it. And uh, you know, I didn't know if bands would be like. You know, because it was a long day, and, you know, Jesus Peace Near the Knife, like, you know, they're, like, a super established bands, and, you know, they've never been, they've never cool guide me about local stuff at, at all, and they, they all love the scene, and, like, you know, Near the Knife isn't technically Philly, but I just kind of put everybody under the Philly hardcore envelope at, this, envelope at this point, like, because if you spend a majority of time in Philly and at Philly shows, then you're a Philly band, you know what I mean? Like, you're part of the scene, so. I wanted everybody to feel included, even if it's not, you know, everybody's cup of tea or whatever. So I tried to put, you know, at least one thing from like every kind of segment of Philly onto it. And uh, I said, th- yeah, I think it, it turned out really well. And uh, I, so I wanted to put a Doyle sound band on just for my own benefit or like, you know, anything from my immediate area when I was growing up, because I really wanted to help out a younger band, but there was literally nothing. So this band hesitate from uh, Reading and Boyertown. Uh, like, which is right where I was living when I moved back. They were like the only kind of younger band doing shit. So I put, I put them on first and then I was like, and that's another thing. People go to shows late. They always see the band they want to see and like get out of there. So I was like, all right, what if I just made it two hours before the first band and just force people to come early? Cause who the hell is going to pay $10 and they can pay two. So I was just like, cause I didn't want to just do, Oh, two dollars before the first band and then five after that. I was like, nah, you got to pay like an 800% increase. So like, you know, force the issue. So by the first band, uh, it was packed. Like there's, you know, there's probably 200 something kids there, which is awesome. And the rain actually helped because I feel like kids couldn't really just chill outside and go do whatever. So pretty much I would say throughout the day, like I would, like at least 80% of the people probably watch like every single band. And for a lot of those bands, it's like the best reactions they've had. Uh, no option was awesome. Like that crazy set, like best fixation set I've seen, like, Payback jumped on and did a couple songs to the agitated cover and it was like crazy. So it was, it was a really cool thing to see. And I was like, I was really happy with how it turned out. And uh, yeah, I was, I was just, like thankful that all the bands were down for it. And uh, the coolest part, cause I was trying to figure out what the hell to do with, I was like, all right, there's gonna be all these people here. There's 18 bands. What the fuck am I going to do? How am I going to split this up evenly? And then I was like, well, all these people are going to be here. We should just like actually donate it to something good in the immediate area. And, um, that's why I ended up just donating the money to uh, a woman's place, which is like a, like a battered woman shelter and stuff. Just because that's another thing. I'm like, hey, man, like, hardcore's cool, and you can use hardcore to do, like, good things in your immediate, you know, area. So I thought that was important, too. And everybody was on board. Nobody was like, oh, what the fuck? We're not getting paid. You know what I mean? Everybody kind of got it. So overall, it was a really good experience. And uh, a lot of people said it was, like, their favorite show, like, literally ever. And that made me feel uh, – I was just glad because it's like, yeah, like, and this is all just stuff that's from this area. You know what I mean? Like, we didn't put on some crazy reunion or whatever, like, outsource bands. Like, look at what your actual scene, like, did. Like, you know what I mean? So I thought it was a really cool thing. Hell yeah. I, I saw um, a bunch of tweets and people talking about how legendary it was and how much of a good time they had. So I was really stoked to see that um, it you know, had like a ton of positive reaction and I'm, I'm always happy to see things like that go down because I feel like 
Um, people do like overlook uh, things that they have in their area because you know it's always yeah. like the grass is greener on the other side. But um, oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah so I, I was just stoked that you were able to do that for everybody in your area and people actually show out and um, support their scene. Yep. Yeah. That was that was the whole point, and I think everybody was on the same page. And it was I can't I can't explain the vibe of the show, but like it was incredible. It was it was really it was really cool. So I was really happy with it. All right. Well, thank you, Bob. Uh, this has definitely been like uh, super great. I'm like really happy that um, you're down to do this. Uh, definitely means a lot to me. So uh, looking forward to um, what you're doing in the future. I'm looking forward to the um, band that you're working on, uh, future FYA announcements and future Bob Wilson joints. So thank you again. Uh, like I, I definitely appreciate it. Yep. Thanks so much, dude. All right. Thank you guys for listening. This has been another episode of the JMRK podcast. Always on top.